The tournament is where Cinderella stories begin, and big wins happen on the biggest stage. With Gambit DC, you could make your Cinderella story a reality. Take advantage of new player bonuses online and in app, or play in person for boosted parlays. You can bet on all 63 games, even if your bracket's busted, and play from the edge of your seat with exciting in-game bets. Make your bets now with Gambit DC. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Number one, what is your name, please? My name is Tony Larusa. Number two, my name is Tony Larusa. And number three, my name is Tony Larusa. Only one of these people is the real Tony Larusa and has sworn to tell the truth. Then we go to Dick Van Patten. Oh yes,、uh, number one. What is the scandal associated with the White Sox? Yeah, the radio says something about not being cooperative. Is he talking about me? No, no, no. That was、okay. another call. All right. Secondly, there's a difference between being asleep at the wheel and passed out the wheel.、Okay. I would challenge passed out. I don't want to talk about that bull. All right. Okay. Don't yell at me. I'll yell if I want to. Get out of yell back too. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD. You can always find us at SportsRadioDetroit.com. I'm Rahelio Castillo, and I'm Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the podcast. And if you get a chance, it's been a while. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. We appreciate all the comments and feedback we've been getting lately on our articles on MotorCityBengals.com, and of course, the Prospect Live list dropped last week, and that was 55 names that you should be familiar with among the Tiger system, and We had a lot of fun with that, and it was a it was a two hour podcast, which we haven't done in a long time. So, but this time it's gonna be a little shorter. We bring on a friend of the show. He's the editor writer for Southside Socks, and also the podcast host over Future Socks, James Fox. And I'll tell you this, James, the you and I have been DMing each other for the last month or so, just talking prospects, talking this, and then originally a few weeks ago when you said, "Well,、oh, the the White Sox are thinking about bringing in Tony Larusa," I Chris. Chris and I discussed it. We had a laugh about the rumor, and then as we were going to record, was it two weeks ago, Chris? We、mm-hmm. saw that the announcement happened, and we laughed for like ten minutes. And I, I normally don't try to feel sorry. Like I love the South Side. I love Chicago fans more than Cleveland fans because you guys have a good sense of humor about it. But how how is the outrage level down right now with especially with just the recent arrest that they <clears throat> they knew about it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's it's probably as bad as you think it is. I don't, you know, I don't know how many White Sox fans you follow. I mean, you know, the fan base isn't huge, but it's a very passionate fan base, and tw- and White Sox Twitter is like pretty good. I mean, we, I think we have like a pretty good, you know, fan base as far as that. It's very knowledgeable fans for the most part. Dude, everybody's pissed. I mean, it doesn't, 
it doesn't make any sense. And the thing is, like, you know, I've tried to be clear about this, and as much as like I have joked around a lot about it, can Tony Larusa like do the job from seven to ten p.m. like every night? Yeah, probably. I mean, look, like he's seventy six years old. He has, you know, he's always been cutting edge, like analytically. Like I, I think he can manage. Like I don't think the job's that hard. I don't think managers are that important. My problem, my biggest problem is you know, Jerry Reinsdorf with the whole situation. And, you know, a lot of people this year for the first time got, you know, they got to look at Jerry, the the real Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, watching the, the last dance, I think, if you're not a Chicago fan and you just kind of like, you know, you had heard like, oh yeah, he's the guy that broke up the Bulls. And then you watch that thing and you're like, holy shit, like he did, this is the guy that broke up the Bulls, you know? So, you know, he's got one baseball title in 05, which, you know, I, I'll always love and appreciate obviously but man he's got like five playoff appearances in 40 years of ownership like if he doesn't inherit a team that has michael jordan on it like he's one of the worst owners in sports i mean this is so you know just to take you back to that monday when rick renteria got fired it was kind of shocking i mean i think a lot of national media kind of thought maybe you know like okay now it's time to move on from this guy get a real manager in here to manage this good team but it wasn't like expected at all. Like I had heard about Don Cooper probably like stepping aside, but when they like <clears throat> did the press release, it was very shocking. So then right away, you know, you go on the internet and you're looking at Ken Rosenthal and passing and all these guys. And it sounds like the white Sox are finally going to be like a big boy organization. And I know we've talked about that. I mean, they're in the third largest market, but they don't operate like it. And you know, the names were AJ Hinch and Cora right away. And then, all the links, all the ties came out between A.J. Hinch and the White Sox, right? He's a Stanford guy along with Ken Williams. Uh, he, his relationship with Rick Hahn dates back like 20 years when Rick Hahn was his agent. I mean, this thing seemed like that was the way it was going to go. And then Rick Hahn talked to the media, you know, basically described it as he was going to have this big, long, elaborate search, but he's looking for a guy with recent playoff experience and championship-level experience. He was basically describing A.J. Hinch, right? But they couldn't hire him, as you guys know, until after the World Series. And that's kind of what everybody thought, right? So then within five hours, Bob Nightingale of USA Today, who's always been known as like a White Sox mouthpiece. Like, you know, if the White Sox need news out there, whether real or fake, they go to Bob Nightingale. And it's mostly Jerry Reinsdorf. And he puts out this La Russa thing. And everybody laughed about it, myself included. You know, I kind of knew, like... You know, if this LaRusso thing's out there, it's out there for a reason. It's going to benefit Tony. It's going to benefit the Sox. Like, he's doing his friend a favor somehow, right? And then it just wouldn't go away. And now we've seen, like, you know, the, the tragic end of that story. And, there, you know, it's just – it's not the guy Rick Hahn wanted. It's not the guy Ken Williams wanted. Um, it's an ownership hire, 100%. Um, he, he said, I want, I want to hire my friend, and that's what they did. And, uh, you know, the organization has been a little bit of a laughing stock right now. And it, internally, it's, it's not good. There's a lot of people over there that aren't too happy. And I, I mean, I don't know if anybody's going to quit over it, but, you know, it's just it's, it's a really bad spot to be in after the season they've had and the rebuild that they've had. I mean, you know, they're one of the favorites in the American League. And, I, and now you have like this hanging over you. It doesn't you know, it doesn't really make any sense. But this is the, the Jerry Reinsdorf that I've kind of known and railed against for most of my life. Yeah, and, and all of that was before the re revelation of the DUI that, that he was apparently charged with the day before he was hired and the White Sox knew about. But but I'm curious, you know, there was that email that was sent out to, I don't know, it was with season ticket holders or whatever? Yeah. That that had A.J. Hinch's signature on it? Yeah. So, so I'm, like, I'm curious how far 
they got down that road before uh, right. Reinsdorf pulled the rug out from everybody. Like so, so uh, yeah. So I'm a little bit sourced on this, right? I, I know for a fact that AJ Hinch is Rick Hahn's guy, and Rick Hahn had a whole list of dudes that he was gonna that he was gonna interview. I wrote an article over at Southside Sox with some of them. Sam Fold is a guy that you know has been popular. Bob Guerin's a bench coach of the Dodgers. I had a list of like five, six names that I had heard about. They didn't interview any of those people. Now, you know, that's where like now it looks like, you know, possibly my sourcing was wrong. It wasn't like they were going to interview those people. And then they found out that like their boss was going to offer the job to a 76 year old buddy. And I kind of think like this is speculation a little bit, but I think it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you guys, we're going to talk to Tony, you know, and Han and Kenny are like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fine. We'll talk to Tony. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Just thinking, like, there's no way this guy's going to come back and take this job. Well, then once Tony La Russa became interested, it kind of seems like everything else, like, kind of went on the back burner, and they rushed Willie Harris in here to, like, get him an interview so they could interview a minority, which is gross. But, you know, all the teams do it. And, and you know, and then they hired Tony right away. And then, you know, people weren't really getting over it, I don't think. But then, like, you know, the news comes out, yes, or whatever, yesterday or the day before with Jeff Passing with the DUI, and it's like, it, it's just, you know, it's it's ridiculous. It, he's got a history of it. It's not like it, it's like a one-time offense, right? He's 76 years old, first of all. It's 2020. Like, you, you can get a phone, you can get a car on your phone. All of us can. Like, there's absolutely no excuse for, like, driving drunk anymore. There never was, but especially, like, now, you know. So... You know, he clearly has a history of poor behavior. I think some of the some of the other stuff's overrated, like some of the like, oh, will he get along with the team and stuff? Like that, that stuff I think is fine. Like I think he can probably manage. Is he the right guy? Absolutely not. He's not the right guy. But yeah, I mean, it's just a joke. And I don't know if you guys have paid close attention. The Sox really aren't saying anything because it's it really is like an organization divided right now. There's no press release. There's no anything. Like their communications director was basically like. It's an open investigation. We're not saying anything. And the entire fan base is like waiting for them to say something, anything, right? Like, I think some people are holding out hope that he'll just like resign and they'll go a different direction. I, I would be stunned. Like this, Jerry Reinsdorf wants Tony LaRusso to manage. Like Tony LaRusso is going to manage. He might not talk to his players until spring training. He might not talk to the media until spring training. But this is like an 84-year-old man getting what he wants. And he, he doesn't really care, you know? I mean, some people have been calling sponsors the past two days and canceling season tickets. Like, you know, let me be the first to tell you, like Jerry Reinsdorf does not care. Like that stuff doesn't matter. Like he will, you know, you think like, Oh, I'm not going to buy these hot dogs. I'm not going to buy these tickets. Like it's going to affect Jerry. Like, no, it won't. It'll affect us because he'll just like give Rick Hahn less money to spend on baseball. Then that, that like Jerry doesn't lose money. This is like the way this is. So, you know, we can either like, I'm totally fine with like complaining about it for however long we need to. But thinking that, like, our complaining is going to affect real change is crazy because I just don't think it is. I'd love to be wrong. It's the same thing with Chris Illich here in Detroit where everybody assumes, and we've seen this very often on the comment section and also on Twitter too. And let me say about White Sox Twitter, I we've had Casey Bogusaw on. There's White Sox Twitter is – you're absolutely correct. I, I'm a big fan of how they interact with other teams too. It's not petty. It's not weird and – Unlike the Yankees fans, where you say one thing about the Yankees, oh, 27 wins, blah, 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 World Series, blah, blah. it's always the same old shit all the time. 
They're going to sign all your best players like, yeah. right away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah every, the rum- player's de- every player's destined to put on pinstripes. Yeah, and then the, the rumor begins by John, either John Paul Marusi or some other writer saying that the Yankees are interested, which means it drives up the price. And it's the same old song and dance over and over again. With Chris Illich, it's the same thing. It's, just, it's the same thing if you're being a Lions fan. The Ford should sell the Lions. It's not going to happen. No matter what you say, you can do a protest. We had a radio guy, Sean Belisian, who did a whole, they did a whole, what was it? Chris, weren't they wearing like paper bags over their head or do some sort of like walkout or something like that? When they was went... that was that the walkout or was yeah. that the the Millen Man March or whatever? Yeah, it was? the Millen Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Matt Millen Man March, and nothing changed. So I I get it. And the, the one last thing about this loser before we move on, because I do I did want to talk about your a little bit of the free agent talk and, and we talk about Cepetis, which you and I've been talking about all day a little bit. But the one the, the one question I have for you, James, is that. Ryan's and you, you're. I get the impression that Ryan North does not does not care, but at the same token, for from a for a player development standpoint, you look at all the farms. You have the abundance of talent there, and Larusa tends to be a guy who goes with veterans. Is he is that going to affect the free agency? If you're going to bring in a couple of veterans, and if he, if he, if they don't, they go cheap and they go to the to the farm. Who's going to be his right hand man to kind of say, hey, you know what, these guys are. Who's going to give him that direction on what prospects are going to be good and what have you? Because, I mean, he hasn't managed in a while, but, I mean, is it, he's, has he been really paying attention to what's going on in Chicago? Yeah, so, I mean, the the big storyline here is that Tony La Russa hasn't even, like, met or talked to, like, any of his players. I don't know if you've noticed any of that, but, mm-hmm. like, Tim Anderson was on, and they like, last week, and they were like, you know, have you talked to Tony La Russa? And he's like, no. He's like, I'll talk to him when he reaches out to me. So, I mean, Tony, like, the joke here is that he's going to meet his players in spring training. And it's like a tongue-in-cheek joke, right? Because it's like, ah, that's funny. But it's, like, actually probably true. So, I don't know. It's like the tale of two organizations, man, like I've been saying. You know, like, Rick Hahn is still technically, I think, in charge of the team. It's his baby. Um, he's going to be handling free agency. But, but again, though, like, I think Tony La Russa is probably the second most powerful man in the organization right now. Because you have Jerry Reinsdorf and you have Tony LaRussa. So Garrett Crochet is a perfect example for me, okay? Like, if we're in spring training, and I've said this on another podcast already, too, and say, like, you know, Rick Hahn thinks Garrett Crochet is a starting pitcher because that's what they think he is, right? And they're going to send him to double A, so he gets 120 innings this year, 100 innings, whatever. And then the plan is <clears throat> come up in September, pitch in relief, pitch in the playoffs, you know, hopefully win a World Series. Well, Tony LaRussa wants Garrett Crochet as his closer. and goes to Jerry and says, no, this guy's my closer. Who wins that argument? You know, that's what I mean. Like, that's where, yeah. like, the organization's super dysfunctional right now because I don't know. Like, how much is Tony LaRusso's presence going to affect free agency? I don't know. It's, like, something that people are saying. Like, I think there's a there's a segment of White Sox fans where, you know, we're very masochistic. Like, we, we think stuff's, like, destined to go wrong. So it's like, oh, we're screwed. Like, we're going to end up back with Jose Quintana because nobody else will come here. Players like money. Um, I don't know if you guys are Seinfeld fans, but, you know, yeah. like, I, I – ought- I often say, like, people don't turn down money. It's what separates us from the animals, kind of like Jerry Seinfeld said. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, players generally go where the most money is. Marcus Stroman already kind of ruled out the White Sox, but I think he knew he was going back to the Mets, right? Like, Trevor yeah. Bauer seems to have an open mind. I'm pretty sure George Springer is going to take the most money. So will people come play for Tony LaRusso? Yeah, probably. Like, I don't really think that's that big a deal. Some people have speculated that, you know, since Reinsdorf brought his buddy back, like, he wants this Hollywood ending so they can like make a movie and go out together or whatever that he's destined <laughs> to spend now. You know, I hope so. 
if that's the one silver lining to come from this thing is that like now he's going to like open up his checkbook finally and spend money like great. Like, because like I've said, I think on a, on a night to night basis, you know, like on a July on a Tuesday in July against, you know, Kansas city, like I don't think Tony Lewis is going to be, I think he'll be fine. Like he can do that part of the job. The other stuff is, is highly questionable, right? Like he said a lot of stuff in his past that, you know, could affect like a lot of like modern players who don't just <clears throat> shut up and dribble or shut up and play baseball anymore. Like it doesn't, you know, like that never like should have flown and it definitely doesn't fly now. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's got the potential to be like a ticking time bomb here, but what the marketing department and the ticketing people have basically like answered and said is like, Hey, we still have like a really exciting young team with like a bunch of stars on it. So like, please don't lose sight of that. Like just root for those players. But a lot of people, myself, are con- conf- including myself, man, are conflicted. Like, I wish there was a way where all these players that I love could win while the owner and the manager could lose, and it doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things we've been writing about, uh, you know, Tigers have basically completed their coaching staff. I think they actually have. And while I was looking at it, I'm like, have the White Sox hired anybody? No. Uh, it, yeah, and, and so it, and then when the DUI news came out, I'm like, all right, so, well, that makes sense. They're, they're not hiring anybody because they don't know what they're going to do with La Russa. But it sounds more like he's just not yeah so i don't so i was expecting coaching news i chris or uh rick Hahn was very interested in chris fetter um you know he's a michigan grad that was a name that i had heard but i did hear and we talked about it a little bit roger but like you know i did hear that like yeah he's at the top of their list but he's probably not going to leave ann arbor now Mm -hmm. you know he did for detroit obviously but then the reports came out from John Paul Morrissey that, like, if the White Sox landed Hinch, like, Fetter probably would have came with him to Chicago. So, you know, that's kind of like a kick in the ass. But I don't know. I mean, some of the other rumored names, like, for pitching coach, Ethan Katz is the assistant pitching coach in San Francisco. He's uh, Lucas Giolito's high school coach. So he was, oh. like, at Harvard-Westlake. He had Lucas Giolito, Jack Flaherty, and uh, Max Freed all My in the same God, rotation. Jeez. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's one of the potential names. And then the White Sox love their, their like, pitching coaches in the minor leagues. Like, a lot of those guys have earned opportunities. So that could be an internal. I think that staff will be a lot of, like, internal people. Because, look, the people that used to coach with Tony are, like, old and, like, almost retired now. Like, he doesn't have guys anymore. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I thought we'd have a coaching staff by now. It's, it's been very, very weird. Um, you know, there will be – like, the White Sox haven't spoken at all. They're announcing their uh, their new radio deal with ESPN tomorrow, and Abreu might win the MVP. So maybe you know maybe we actually hear from the organization tomorrow. But yeah, it's very it's it's just the whole thing's been super weird. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the, some of the names down in the minor the minor league system who are to my Matt Zelzisky. Is that correct? Yeah, Matt Zelzisky. Yeah, like, yeah. He's so he's their AAA pitching coach. And with what we do over at Future Sox, everybody raves about that dude. That's the guy that, like, you know, did you see Matt Foster pitch this year? So Matt Foster was, like, a 20th-round pick out of Alabama in 2016. Nobody really knew who he was other than us. But even us, even, like, we never ranked him in the top 30 or anything. I mean, he was a college reliever, 20th-rounder, and he's got a plus-plus change that he credits Matt Zaleski with. I mean, that dude's a, you know, if his changeup looked like that at Bama, he's a top-five-round guy. So, yeah, that's only one, you know, one guy, but there's a bunch. Like, these guys come up from the alternate side or from the minors, and they're all, like, high four-seamer tunneling sliders and curveballs off of them. And, you know, they, they have a, you know, a type, and those guys get credited for it. But Matt Zaleski, Everett Tiford's their minor league pitching coordinator. 
those are the two probably the two biggest names. Yeah, for Prospects Live, I'm actually doing the White Sox system here in a couple of weeks. I've been starting to watch a little bit of Prospects with, with Chicago. So you and I definitely will be in contact more yeah. because the ranking, we we haven't done the rankings yet. We've talked, to, we've gotten a couple of players, but White Sox do have a pretty good a pretty good system, comparatively speaking, in terms of ty- pitching depth compared to Detroit right now, which we'll get, speaking of the minors and speaking of depth, we talked about a little about today the news that the Tigers are interested in, I know that um, the Free Press up here discussed it a little bit about the younger brother of Yoenis Sepetis and Yolkis Sepetis. And Yo, yeah, I think it's Yowelki. Yeah, Yowelki, and he is the half. Excuse me, he's the half brother, and the, the whole family had his father rather play catcher in Cuba as well. So there's there's a very good lineage to this, but. He's five nine, five ten. But then I was doing a article today, which will be out tomorrow for Motor City Bengals. And Chris made the joke. I sent him the video, and his head—he's got the arms look like South Park, Mark McGuire in South Park, where his arms are huge and his head is just tiny. Yeah. He's got size. He's looked at. He's looking at his swing mechanics. For now, he was a line drive hitter, but it could change. Twenty-three years old, could play either corner field. He's got a really good arm on him. And I know that there's another prospect out there in Oscar Colas that the White Sox are interested in. But talk about Cepetis in, in terms of what he could bring for when the international signing period starts up again. J- J- January? Yeah, January. Yeah, January. Yeah, so, I mean, they're both interesting names. The Sox are linked to both of them. So the issue with the White Sox is they only they have a bunch of signings already, and they signed a Cuban right-handed pitcher, Norhe Vera, for $1.5 million. So the Sox have somewhere in the $2.2 to $2.4 million range. So this is like kind of my area, but people ask like, oh, is there any way to get both? And I, I, I can't see it. And I had heard the White Sox were very confident in landing Cespedes, right? But then you see all this Colas stuff. Now, Oscar Colas isn't cleared to sign. He has, you know, a deal with his Jap- with the Japanese club that he's still trying to get out of. Um, but if the White Sox were to prioritize Cespedes and sign him, I mean, that's probably all their money. Then Colas can't sign until January 2022 because, of, you know, they move these international periods back, and he's already, like, 22, 23. So I, I think Detroit, personally, I think that makes a lot of sense for Iwoka's Cespedes, and I know we've talked before, like, this isn't something that the Tigers typically do, so this is, this would probably be pretty interesting for you guys. Um, he, I, he He's not big league ready, but he can go to the – but he could make it soon. And I heard that's like one of the priorities for him and his camp isn't necessarily money. It's somewhere where he can go and move to the majors really fast. Now, you know, one of the things that he's done, he's kind of like a Carlos Gomez type, I think, but not maybe not as like good in center, but man, these like when these Cubans come, they usually show up and then they're like in exile for like six months. And he's been with his older brother and it's like no different. Like imagine like, you know, it's like Rocky. What is it? Which which one's the one with the Russians? Four. So he's, yeah. you know, he's he's with Yoenis, literally eating, hitting, and lifting weights, and and that's probably what he's been doing. You know, for the better part of the last year. So you know, if he just like looks like some big giant muscular dude that's like you know only five nine, like once he actually signs, like I wouldn't be surprised. So he's he's the number one prospect um, in the current class, but obviously. Everybody's not in on him because he's he is significantly older than the rest of the field. A lot of a lot of teams prioritize those sixteen year old type guys. And yeah, Chris, we were talking about beforehand. You were discussing some of the who the Tigers had their eye on the Dominican Republic, uh, the Dominican pitcher 
and then the was it the um the infielder for uh, Santana, correct? Yeah, so they, the, yeah, Christian Santana is the one they're expected to give him like three million, and then they got Abel Bastidas, who is a Venezuelan kid. They never really pronounce or announce Venezuelan <clears throat> bonuses, I guess, because they don't yeah, want them they, to get. Kidnapped and murdered. Right. Yes. That's absolutely true. Yes. But then, yeah, and is it Rainer Castillo, I think his name is, uh, Dominican pitcher for like half a million. So they probably have spent four million of their pool, at least, maybe five. So it'll be tough to figure it out. And they have the same like 5.4, I think, that the White Sox have as a large market club. So actually, I think they're they're in the the, the 6.4 this year now because they've been so bad oh is that why okay. yeah 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 I, and I, I don't know if it's being bad or so much as is like you know revenue no, i think it's a revenue th- yeah i think it's you a know? revenue thing i think that's why okay cool yeah so then so then they should have plenty of money then i mean i don't think look he's not like obviously you guys know he's not like louis robert or something right but he's mm-hmm. you know he's probably a two to three million dollar like type guy and whether or not whether or not he prioritizes money or proximity to majors you know, like we'll see. Right. But yeah, I think a team like the Tigers makes a lot of sense because they, you know, I think they have a lot of pitching prospects, but they still need like a lot on the offensive side. Like that's going to be close. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. I think it came, you know, it came out today that they, that they were interested. Was it, did you guys, was there like a workout at all or is it just kind of like, Oh, the Tigers are one of the teams that's interested type thing. It was a, from my understanding of it all, it was just a, they kind of had an interest in him, and I think they were one of the teams that did end up going and looking at him when they did the original, it was in March, so they could have been on hand for that, and they, uh, you know, talk about Roberto Campos, the 17-year-old Cuban, and Avila's past with signing Cubans, you go back to the days in Florida, so it kind of lines up, it tracks up correctly, makes a lot of sense, but in terms of how the Tigers done international the last five or six years, it's been garbage. I mean, flat out, there's right. no other word to say it. And the one shortstop they were looking at from Venezuela was Winsiel Perez, uh, or Winsiel Perez's, who's uh, in low A right now, prospect for the Tigers. I think that was his cousin, right, Chris? Was that the prospect that the shortstop I'm thinking of? Well, or, Santana is is Winsiel Perez's cousin. Yep. Yeah, okay. The uh, Dominican, yeah. And yeah, I mean he's. I think he's considered like a top ten player in this uh, I'm thinking, sorry, class, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean it, for for Detroit though, it would make a lot. Of, it would make a lot of sense. They have a lot of four A outfielders right now. They don't have. There's nothing tying them out there to who they're going to put in left field right now. And not to say that Cepedes could step in and play right away, but a guy who even we don't even know what's going on in the minors right now. Is we draw closer to what's going to happen with the which would be a 120 team structure, but. Uh, before we let you go, James, the one question I did have for you as well. Speaking of the minors, is there going to be a big shakeup in terms of the affiliates yet or for the for Chicago? I mean, right now we know that Charlotte's been rumored to have a major league team. We've talked about this before, but have you heard anything differently on how that's going to be restructured for for the White Sox? So I actually think the White Sox are going to keep their four affiliates. Um, Reinsdorf likes having – he likes those southern clubs for whatever reason. And you know, right now the White Sox are – Low A in Kannapolis, that's a brand-new ballpark, so they're not going anywhere. Um, the team owns part part of Winston-Salem in high A, and then they've been in double A. They've been in Birmingham for, geez, since Michael Jordan played there, like in the 90s. So, uh, yeah, there was some talk that 
if Winston and Kannapolis ended up in the same league somehow with this restructuring, that they'd have to get a new affiliate. And then the talk shifted right away to maybe doing something local finally for the first time, like Kane County here in Illinois or uh, Schaumburg, which would have been awesome. But it sounds like they're going to keep their same four affiliates like they've always had. And then, you know, yeah, I'm very interested to see like how that kind of all shakes out. And then they'll have, uh, you know, they'll have a club in Arizona and they'll have a club in the DSL. But one of the, one of the big issues the White Sox are going to have for the first time in a while, they have a ton of guys like in rookie ball and major league baseball might put some sort of like 150 player limit on, on the minors where it's like not like 30 per team necessarily, but it's like 150 total, like at your, at your five affiliates. And the White Sox have like eight or nine outfielders that should be in rookie ball that aren't ready for low A. So, you know, stuff like that's going to be fascinating. And, you know, we could do a whole show on minor league stuff, but it, you know, it's, um, some of this is going to be pretty good for major league baseball. I think, I think there's, there are too many org guys, you know, that end up like not really mattering and, you know, that kind of stinks for them. But, you know, some of the issues this could cause with no like advanced rookie level team, like what if a guy goes, you know, a guy's awesome in rookie ball and then you send him to a ball and he str- or low A and he struggles. And what do you do? I mean, there's no middle level to send him to anymore. You're going to send him back to, you know, rookie ball in Arizona or wherever like your team's located. I mean, you know, that doesn't really make any sense either. So, you know, going forward, obviously I hope, I hope that there's games cause it's kind of like what we do, but yeah, that that's, that's not um, set in stone yet, but I think the Sox affiliates stay the same. Okay. Awesome. Well, James, thanks so much for joining us. I know that you're going here, but again, where can people find your stuff? If you want to read anything about the White Sox prospects and just overall uh, good baseball talk, period. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm over at uh, Future Sox. I co-host the podcast over there with my uh, podcast partner, Mike Rankin. I'm an editor over there. So, you know, the White Sox helped us out, did us a solid with a bunch of prospect debuts this year because we, you know, I, we didn't know what we were going to do with no minor <laughs> league season. And then... I do uh, major league stuff over over at Southside Sox, and then on Twitter, I'm at JamesFox917. Awesome. Thanks again, James. I look forward to talking to you soon, and, yeah, I'll be definitely be talking to some White Sox prospects more sooner than later. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always fun. Likewise. See ya. Good talking to you. Welcome back to Tigers SRD here, and Chris and I want to thank James Fox for coming on. Always, uh, eventually, we'll bring Casey back in. Boguslaw, one of our, like, an all-time, he's a five-time, is he a five-timer yet, Chris? Maybe he's up there. I mean, he might be a five-timer when he comes on again. But the White Sox have, like, three or four different podcasts out there, and they have another one that eventually we'll bring on, probably hopefully in the spring. And Chicago as a whole is a, is a great baseball town. You might not like the city of Chicago, the whole rivalry. Although I'm starting to think, Chris, as I get older, that whole city rivalry thing when you're older, when you're younger, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that city sucks. And blah, 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 you know, especially being Piston fans growing up and seeing the Bulls dominate. Of course, you might have a little hatred for Chicago. But as I get older, they really, really get into their sports. And they're not Fairweather fans, which I think there's, I think there's a part of me that thinks that, for example, there used to be a lot of Pistons fans. Now, mysteriously, there's not. Wonder why that's the case. Well, yeah, you know, I've always wondered 
if you live in a city with two teams, I feel like I would end up being a fan of both teams, but that's probably sacrilege. Like I, I imagine if that I actually had done that, it would just be one team that I rooted for probably the Cubs. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to have two teams to root for. I, I don't know, especially in football. Oh, no doubt. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I would love to have the 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 ability to have a team like the the, the Bears or I don't know the the Bears piss off the Chicago fans no end, and then you look at the Blackhawks until the millennium they weren't even on TV because their owner was so cheap to put not even put them on local TV. You always had baseball. You always had the White Sox and and the Cubs and the White Sox made things interesting in the nineties when they had you know Frank Thomas, Robin Ventura. Blackjack, Jack McDowell, some of those good teams in the '90s, and then they finally pushed through in the 2005 in the World Series. So, yeah, I mean, I'll give credit where credit's due. And without further ado, we're gonna do a top five list that, in honor of David Letterman, <laughs> well, that was a bad segue. Um, <laughs> you and I have both been fans of. We've been watching the Comedy Store documentary on Showtime. I finally watched it. Yeah. That was great, by the way. The yeah, really good. I, I what I thoroughly enjoyed about it was is how much Dave Letterman makes people uncomfortable and how many times he made Mike Binder like, well, why don't you do a podcast? And Letterman's like, I don't, I don't look for a podcast. And so in honor of that, in honor of Dave Letterman, and also the fact that Alex Trebek, who passed away, you know, every podcast seems like this year, I've talked about some sort of death since the since we've been born. Chris, he's been part of your seven thirty lineup and. On yeah. local four, and it's there's gonna be all the shows are gonna air till Christmas, and I'm telling you, it's just it, it's gonna be weird, man. Yeah, I mean, I used to watch Jeopardy pretty religiously, especially around uh, around college. I, I haven't watched it nearly as much uh, in the last uh, decade or so, but it's still it was a great show. It was always fun. It's best best game show on TV, I think by far. I remember being upset about who, who wants to be a millionaire. I'm like, this is this won't last. Come on now, this doesn't take skill. But uh, of course, that's coming back now too. But yeah, it's a it's a real bummer. I mean, basically, anytime you you hear somebody get that diagnosis, you know it's it's about over. I, I you know, right around the time Alex Trebek got his pancreatic cancer diagnosis, so did Bushwick Bill from the Ghetto Boys, and Bushwick Bill made it about six weeks, I think. So. I don't know. I, for a while there, I thought Trebek was going to beat it, but man, it's just such a such a tough one to beat. Yeah, the chances are pretty slim, and he had an upbeat attitude the entire time about it, and he mm-hmm. he did the show in great pain until the end. So, I mean, you got a tip of the cap to him. Even they did a tribute to him on Twitter, and the producer, the executive producer, you, you saw him almost breaking up there, and yeah, he meant a lot to a lot of people, and also for any fans out there. He was also really good at classic concentration. That was a game I used to watch. Yeah, I remember that one too. Yeah, it would be on during the day, I think. Yeah, it was on uh, when I missed school and I was sick at school. If I missed school because I was sick or whatever, that was on. At like it was on also. It was on NBC too, the uh, local four over here in Detroit, and it was always on like around eleven, eleven thirty, I think. Or maybe it was on after. Maybe I think it was on after Price is Right. I can't remember exactly the time slot, but either way. So in honor of Tony totally Russo, we have a top five list, Chris. That. A couple jokes that you and I were making, but I'll, I'll let you take this away. What, what, what was the, the 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 emphasis behind? The, like I said, um, Letterman was the came to mind because I'm watching the the comedy store documentary. But the top five just seemed like the natural thing. 
Yeah, so I think I came up with that. Uh, five things Tony La Russa said to the arresting officer during his DUI. So that was that was the topic there. Yeah. So um, I said I said number five. I said number five. I'm the one that invented the modern bullpen. <laughs> um, uh, my number five is if you don't let me go, I'll get Dave Stewart to trade you for Shelby Miller. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, Dan B. Swanson reference. Yeah. <laughs> If you, if you don't know who I am, I will get the Bash Brothers on you. I created the Bash Brothers. Yeah, um, yeah. I was thinking about something like you know, he crashed his car, Crash Brothers or something like that. But uh, I, I said uh, number four, where I'm from, a hit and run is a good thing. <laughs> number three, I was fired by a broadcaster. Hawk. Hawk. I was fired by a guy named my like, name of Hawk. I like that your yeah, your literature is just is just doing his biography to uh, you see me guys fired by a broadcaster. Um number three, I've got breathalyzer. The only way to really know my blood alcohol level is to meet me on a spiritual level. <laughs> um Yeah. Yeah, my... I was going to have him call breathalyzer fake news, but whatever. In that actual arrest, he kept saying, "Man, I don't trust those things or something. <laughs> I don't trust those brother." He's he's talking. He was like Hulk Hogan in the arrest thing. Yeah, he was. Oh, brother, I don't know about that brother. Um, but I'm. I had a couple. Of the, I was kind. Of, I had a couple, a couple one liners. Now I'm just drawing a blank on them. But of course, go ahead and continue. But let's finish off this list. That is. Uh... All right. So, yeah. And number two is people say the movie version of Cats was a disaster, but I loved it. Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> Tony Russo is a big cat guy. I don't know if people know that. He's a, he's a big cat guy. Uh, and my number one thing Tony LaRusa said to the arresting officer. You see that name, LaRusa? That's Italian for fuck you. There <laughs> <laughs> so, we go. There, Yeah, there we go. Okay, thank you. Um, for the record. I don't know if you want to bleep that out or not. No, no, no. It's, a, it's a good. You know what? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, there's there's only like two or three moments today of uh, bad language, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. James Fox had every right to be pissed off, and the, the temperament in Chicago right now is at a fever pitch. But after the elections, everything right now, Chris, that was all the that was kind of a nice welcome distraction, I guess, from what the last week has been going on. And I'm sure that hopefully your wife is resting comfortably after all the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they actually uh, they forced her to take yesterday off. Because she Good. hasn't taken a day off in like a year, and so they made her. And then we both had today off for Veterans Day. So, and I, of course, thanks to any and all veterans who are listening. Yes, uh, that uh, you know appreciate your service. I, uh, both of my grandparents, my both, both of my grandparents, both of my grandfathers were uh, in the service. It's a couple of my uncles and one of my cousins. One of my cousins is actually in the Space Force now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so we appreciate people sacrificing so I don't have to, so I can do baseball podcasts. Yeah, and I don't know anybody. I mean, I have a couple of friends of mine who served in the military. Um, in terms of family-wise, that has not been the case, but honestly, it doesn't matter. We appreciate it. We appreciate you yeah. doing what you're doing and, and the service you've ever heard of this country. So we salute you. Thank you. And I had the day off today because it's a credit union holiday, so I ended up working on a some uh some articles so and also yeah, and i actually we worked at my dad's house today so hopefully that will be 
going on the market finally once and for all. And uh, yeah, so. But at any rate, let's talk about some of the higher the, the Tigers again. You know, we've talked about this on the on Twitter and our DMs on our little Tiger chat, and you and I have talked about this. And I know that we tend to be cynical and we tend to be quote unquote negative, but you have to for Detroit right now in terms of from a PR standpoint. And you talk in your article talked about how managers don't matter, and 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 I understand understand that completely to a certain extent however you look at the the bringing of chris fetter and what he's done and you you and you've been on him since even two years ago when you started going in the michigan baseball why they're so successful why he had influence on pitching sequencing and and changing what pitches work better for pitchers and then talking about a little bit about his experience chris it just seems like even the the, the hitting coach they brought in too in uh cool bomb who is not Jim Harbaugh's alter ego, which I saw a bad Twitter. I saw a bad dad joke by Jake on that. That was pretty funny. But it just seems like these names, it just seems like they're finally clearing out the last of this vet, like the Lee Lynn era. Because I, I, some, somebody on Twitter said something about that too when we posted an article. But it, it just seems like a smarter coaching staff. Yeah, and one of the things, I don't know if I necessarily mentioned it uh in my article about how, how managers don't matter, but one of the areas they do matter is bringing in talent in the, in the form of the coaches, the, the ones who, you know, working with the players and can identify flaws and things like that. And I mean, yeah, I, there's not anybody out there who says that Fetter was a bad hire. Like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, but the thinking behind it was fantastic. He's got a proven track record. He's young. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was a home run. And, uh, I think Dan Hasty first said that that was the home run hire, but uh, yeah, it, it, there's there's nothing bad, it, and it's the sort of thing where maybe they don't get him if they don't get AJ Hinch, and and so, I mean, you could argue that Fetter is more important to this team than Hinch because of all the young pitching coming up, and and like I said, you don't get him without Hinch, so then you know, Hinch's importance is already you know paying off, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, one of the the articles I wrote today, I. I sort of theorized that maybe players might even be more willing to come to Detroit uh, now that Hinch is here because, as you wrote, I think that it shows that the team is serious. So, yeah, I mean, it really does have a lot of uh, impact on the the team-building portion of, you know, winning. Now it's, you know, we got to see what happens on the field. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that it all translates on who they, they bring in, and right now we still have no indication but one thing we can still be realistic on is we have no indication of what they're going to spend or how they're going to go about it. Or for that matter, even if, there's no trade rumors. There's no nothing. We saw the qualifying offers that were accepted today with Kevin Gaspin for the Giants and the uh, Marcus Stroman for Stroman. the Mets. Yeah. yeah. And so you haven't, I mean, and then you saw Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young today. So Shane uh, Beaver for the AL. But other than that, it's it, I don't you know. There's no rumors, no and nothing like that sort of nature. And I don't think there's going to be for a while. So for the for Detroit, and I got an argument about what needs the most. Whether they need an infielder, outfielder, or, or starting pitching the most. But Chris, if you had to prioritize what they need the most, how would you put your priority list? Oh geez, um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because they they did have a middle of the road offense this year and a bottom two pitching staff, and and you'd like. I'd really love to have a good veteran starting pitcher 
to kind of anchor the rotation while Mize and Scooble and eventually Manning come up and, and, you know, go through their growing pains. But I think in the immediate uh, time frame, they, they probably need an outfielder. They really, I mean, they've got Reyes and they've got Jones and they've got Daz Cameron, but no, none of those guys has really established themselves. And you know, Kristen Stewart will probably get another chance, but he's probably on the way out after next year. So just to, to be a more potent lineup and more professional lineup, they could really use an everyday outfielder like a George Springer. But uh, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, you don't end up with the third worst record in baseball without having a lot of needs. So I'd be, I'd be fine. You know, if they went out and got a catcher, if they got a JT real Muto, I would, I would understand it and think that's fantastic. If they went out and got a good, if they went out and got Trevor Bauer, whatever. I'm not a big fan of him personally, but he's a pretty damn good pitcher. So that would, would help. Um, yeah, I don't think you can. I can't think of one area where they, if they added a player, I'd go, "Well, that was dumb." They they need help everywhere. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the top 50 free agents of according to MLB trade rumors, and, and the Tigers were, I, I forgot who they predicted. You know what's funny? They they picked a George Springer of the White Sox, so I don't know if that might happen. <laughs> I mean, it could be be nice with Detroit. I mean, Mark or Marcel Azuna to the Nationals. It was a prediction. Did they have Brad Hand going to the Tigers? I believe it was. Let me double. I'm double. I'm going through that right now. There, I couldn't remember who they had. They had Jacob Rizzi going to Toronto for three years and thirty nine mil or thirty nine million. Uh, Brantley, who I like, at two years twenty eight million, which I thought was kind of uh, quite a bit for a player his um, for his age. Marcus Simeon, one year fourteen million. The, the James McCann, James McCann actually going to Philly, which actually would make a lot of sense. Uh, Jock Peterson, another uh, outfielder the Tigers have talk, talked about. Jose Quintana, and I was going to put him on my list, Chris, but here's the thing about Quintana, man. I don't know if he has anything left in the tank. And so, I mean, I, I know he's only 32, 33, but his numbers have been getting worse. As And I feel like he's like yeah, the Jordan. Yeah, did, did the White Star, didn't the, the Cubs mostly use him out of the bullpen this year when yeah. he came back from injury? Yeah, I think he had a blister on his finger and then something. I forgot exactly the other injury he had. Uh, and no, I don't want no business only with James. 10 innings. Yeah, and I don't want no business with James Paxton either because – yeah. Ever since you, you know what's funny, Chris? One of the things that sticks with me that you've said since the day I met you was, when you start looking at back injuries, they they never yeah. run, they never end well, and it still sticks with me. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the things that they're just the most unpredictable injury. It seems like I, I guess the only you could predict that once or twice a year the back is going to be a problem at least, and and like just out of nowhere they're going to have to miss a start or miss a couple of games or go on the DL the IL. Um, yeah, hand yeah got, it's it's super tough to deal with. Yeah, and not to mention too. With the by the way, Brad Hand's going. They said to Houston at two years and fourteen fourteen okay. million. The back is so essential to everything you do. You do everything with your back. I mean, you're you're, you're pitching, you know. And listen, Ice Cube said it. You can do it. Put your back into it. <laughs> he is right though. Um, yes. But in terms oh, pro, of oh, direction profile, yes, have. that's who, and that's another guy I wrote up at one year and seven million. And it's another um, uh, is it what's the country I'm thinking of? Curacao, yeah, Curacao native, just similar to Jonathan Scope. And look, even a guy like him, or I, I know that people thought this was kind of like a a stretch about the South Korean shortstop and Kim. Something like that would be imaginative, but something imaginative would be. But for me, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna rank it at starting pitching. 
outfield, and then everything else. I think the Tigers can make a makeshift second baseman situation better. I know that Jake, like Carlos Santana, you know, you don't forget Chris in first base. But if, if you hear yeah. what AJ Sager was talking about, AJ Sager, I said it again. AJ Hinch was talking on the radio about Hugh with the huge network and his interview with that. Goodroom could play. Goodroom could be playing everywhere. So could we see Goodroom again at first base in the outfield? Who knows? Yeah, it does sound like they're going to explore his versatility. Like uh, you know, the, the Tigers gave him a chance to be shortstop this year, and he played really good defense there, but he just didn't hit. And I think that they're going to view him as more, more reliable on defense. Although, like his history has shown that he's not a good defender anywhere else, which is the most bizarre thing. He's a he's a plus defender at shortstop and can't play defense anywhere else. But uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> or um, they also the, the prediction they have Rick Porcello coming back to Detroit. Yeah, I mean, in both of those deals, I I would be happy with uh, with uh, Profar and Porcello. I I mean. Porcello actually, by the numbers, may have had his best season by the the advanced numbers. Um, you know, obviously it was a short season, and his his ERA was like three runs higher than his FIP. It was just like a disaster of bad luck. He went one and seven. Uh, you know, let's see, three seventy three BABIP, fifty nine point five percent left on base, but he had the the lowest home run rate of his career, the second highest strikeout rate. You know. Low walk rates, yeah. So five six four ERA, but a three 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 FIP. Um, yeah, it was one of one like hidden one of his hidden best seasons ever. So like, you know, I don't know. I mean, we we know he's somewhat limited, but he's a guy who who throws a lot of innings. He's never really had a big injury trouble, I don't think. Yeah, and there's a name too. You talk about advanced stats. Uh, Tejon Walker, his FIP was four point five six after an ERA two point seven zero, but still, I would. I mean, I. I I'd rather roll the dice. I mean, I said last year, I'll say it again. I think he, I mean, his numbers coming back from surgery are better, but his, excuse me, XFIP in Toronto was uh, 4.82. Still, I mean, it, it gives you a guy, it gives you 120, 130, or 120, anywhere from 120 to 150 innings. And I hate to say that, but like the bare minimum would be fine with that. And his Zips production has him at an area of 4.55, which would be. Among the lead, one of the team leaders. Yeah, I mean, I think who was better than that this year? Uh, Turnbull. Turnbull, that's it. And that's it. Um, yeah. So, no, I mean, they, they it's as silly as it seems with all the pitching prospects. They need bodies in the rotation for sure because they it, it's hard to go into next year um, thinking you can rely on Fulmer, and you can rely on Matthew Boyd to go out there, but you can't rely on him to pitch well unfortunately and then you got Mize and Scooble like we said growing, growing pains it's just like they, they need a lot of help in the rotation now maybe everything comes together all of a sudden and they have a 2006 Tiger season where they've got four or five guys in the year end or four but that seems highly unlikely yeah and like I said we'll, we'll be we'll be going deep diving deep diving as the season goes on but for the most part it was just an opportunity to have James on talking about the White Sox a little bit and the, the situation and the new tiger and how the essentially the White Sox failing led to the with the essentially the hiring for the Tigers and who knows even with the free agency right now you looked at what Marcus Truman said about the White Sox no thanks and if you're te- if you're a guy that's in the, that doesn't want to go exactly let's say you don't want to go to the East Coast or the West Coast 
and you want to see the Midwest. I mean, look, of all the teams in AL Central right now, it looks like on paper Detroit has the most to spend. The Royals are not going to spend. We saw what they needed to do right now with Han, uh, with what they did with Han, and there's already rumors they're going to be trading Francisco Lenore, and so this is an opportunity for Detroit to do something. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think, I think Chris, in the hearts of hearts, if I'm being completely honest, I think they're going to go the, the same thing. Vet arm, one-year, two-year deal, maybe one-year deals. And if they sign somebody big, I'd be shocked. Because even right now, the, with the pandemic being back up high again, hospitalizations over 100%, we don't know what the, this is going to look like in the spring. They're talking about the, the vaccine may not be available in the, until April. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I still think. He said it before. I think it's it's going to be a shortened season in some capacity, and not just because of the pandemic, but also, I mean, they, they obviously want to make money back if they can. But I think just for the fact that that you're coming off a sixty game or like a sixty game season, there's there's just not going to be a single pitcher who is fully ramped up to to go back to 180, 200 innings. Now, some of the veteran guys can probably do it without too much trouble. But, um, you know, it's still asking a lot for, for anybody to, you know, I, I doubt there were too many pitchers who were sitting there from, you know, March to June going out every fifth day and, and simulating like 100 pitches the way that they'll, they'd need to. So, I don't know. I, I, I can picture something more like 100 game, 120 game season next year, just kind of ramp back up. And then get to the, uh, the CBA the following year, but I don't know. I think you're. I think you're right. I don't. I don't imagine that the Tigers are going to go all in. Not necessarily all in, but you know, make a big splash. I think they're probably going to want to wait until their two big hitters, Green and Torkelson, are closer, and then they can kind of bring in a free agency, a free agent, and, and, and hopefully get things going. And, and it t- generally speaking, um, pitchers. Pitching prospects take a little bit longer to, to figure it out than hitting prospects do. And, and you know, I'm very, you know, it doesn't apply to everybody, obviously. You know, every now and there's a Jose Fernandez or Walker Bueller or whatever who just comes in, starts shoving. But, uh, you know, good hitters tend to be good hitters quicker than good pitchers figure it out. So, and I don't think the timeline might work out better that way where they just, another stopgap year, give the pitchers, the pitching prospects a little more time. Then bring up your hitting prospects and, and bring in some outside talent. You know, everybody keeps talking about that shortstop class of 2021 or it's 2022. This is 22, isn't it? Um, with Lindor and Baez and Seeger and Story and, and who else is available? I think there's somebody else. But you'd love the Tigers to go out and grab one of those guys, but who knows? Are they? They yeah, may I mean, need to make a trade. There was, I think they have to really. They have to make a trade. I, I really think mm-hmm. that they have to. The reason why they're forced to make a trade here, Chris, is that I don't. I mean, if you look at the free agent market on first baseman, even pitching, it's kind of like a lot of these guys on pitching wise are, <laughs> are coming back from bounce back years. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was that yawn was for effect. Yeah, well, sort <laughs> sort well, yes, yes, and no, but um, they're coming back from bounce back years. I mean, you you look yeah. at even the likes of like the reason why Quintana's like. Uh, you know, like what? What are we going to get, Quintana? Is he going to demand quite a bit of money? Of course he is. So, I don't know. I, I just, to me, I think 
you have to be creative and make a trade. I think the only way for the Tigers to have to get a kind of impact player that they can help build on and help be part of the build, and not to mention just really make them competitive, whether whatever the schedule may be, is a trade for somebody. And I think there will be at some point. Oh, well, now a YouTube video works. Ironically enough, um, the I think they they have to make a trade in order to shore up a couple a couple a couple positions and so there's i mean the rule five drafts coming up too and i know we haven't had a chance to look at the rule five guys yet as of yet but i'm sure there's nobody there that's gonna be able to make a that they could bring in and stick with the team the whole year either yeah it'll be awfully tough for uh for somebody who basically didn't play this year you can go out there for teams to know who they might be able to grab it's it's gonna there might be a handful of guys with like strange situations but I don't know. I think the Tigers might leave a roster spot open just in case, but I'm not expecting much in the Rule 5. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's just – there's despite the Tigers' farm system being solid now, it's not to the level where they can just wait for all the prospects to show up and suddenly they're a championship contender. They're going to have to bring in some outside talent at some point, either free agents or trades. And, you know, that's all a matter of timing. You talk about your competitive windows. That's why we, we – you know, at the site we've written about – Yupa wrote about – George Springer and today about Real Muto and I wrote about trading for Arenado and I think you touched on Francisco Lindor. Like there are some options out there. The Tigers can get creative and try to open that window a little early or pre-plan for when the window is actually there. Um, but I just I don't actually see them doing that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, at the same time, like I said, crazier stuff has happened. So, like you know, Tony Russo getting a DUI. And when you take your ninth step. Nine, just leave it on the ground and just take some several small steps back and continue back down the line, counting to nine again. So it's going to be nine up, turn, and nine back. Heel the toe, counting out loud, arms down by your side. Yeah, we, we got one question from Patrick B. Uh, he wanted to ask us or have us ask James uh, his thoughts on our new hitting coach. And then he'd also love to know the inner workings after they found out LaRusso had the DI before being named as coach and still move forward. I don't know if we touched on that a little bit. I don't know if we touched on like the inner workings. It, it basically boiled down to like this is what Reinsdorf wanted and this is what Reinsdorf gets. As far as on the new hitting coach, Coolbaugh, he yeah he said a lot of what what we've kind of found out that he's well regarded in baseball. He's got a long track record of working with pretty good offenses. He's he came he was only with the White Sox this season and it was only for you know as the assistant hitting coach, but it was kind of viewed as as a guy who was way way too qualified for the position. It was just kind of like a bonus to have him in there. And uh, the year before that, he was working, he was the hitting instructor with the AAA affiliate for the Dodgers. And there were a lot of good, uh, you know, future big leaguers on that team to let it, Gavin Lux, Will Smith, uh, and then some of the other, like, random guys the Dodgers have turned into players, like that uh, McKinstry, the kid from CMU, and Edwin Rios. And so he's a guy, he comes from, I mean, it was, it was nice to know that he spent some time in the Dodgers, which is, you know, it's the A-plus organization in terms of pl uh, player development. So having having any time there is good. That's also, you know, what's great about George Lombard, which was another hiring coup, really, where, I mean, that's a guy who was kind of top name for a lot of managerial gigs and to, be, you know, get him as a bench coach for, I mean, they probably won't have him for more than one season, but it's still nice to, to have a guy like that around, so. I don't know they did they did really well I think with the coaching hires I mean Coolbaugh 
I don't, he's not like one of these launch angle guys, you know, one of these uh, modern hitting instructors. But I think he, he seems like a guy who who can teach that, but it's not like his thing, you know. Yeah, and he it seems like even to I mean he's let that the Texas offense to was it 2012 that led the league and led league in hitting what went to the well yeah so he took over in 2011 um i forgot the, the name of the guy he took over for but there had been some incidents with that hitting coach and after he took over the rangers offense kind of exploded they went from like i mean they were a top five offense but they went from like number three and four to number one in most everything and he had another solid year in 2012 but they lost in the wild card game that year and i think it was kind of viewed as a, as a huge disappointment. And so somebody had to get let go. And so they chose him because they only scored one run in the, the playoff game, but he stayed within the organization, which was kind of strange. They replaced him with Dave Magadan. Um, the former Dodger, but yeah, or Matt, I think I, yeah, I remember from the Mets, but he probably played a lot of different places, but um, yeah, I mean, but he was with the Rangers and he spent four seasons, I think with the Orioles. Um, and the Orioles offenses were pretty good. They were um, a little scary in terms of the, they were big power offenses, but they didn't walk a ton and they didn't hit for great average. But, you know, I mean, we remember those offenses. It was like Jonathan Scope, Manny Machado, Matt Wieters, uh, Chris Davis. Yeah, all 240 guys, with 20 or 30 home runs, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's nobody out there can teach Jonathan Scope to walk. It's just not going to happen. But Manny Machado credited Cool uh, Ball. I mean, that was probably the best endorsement. He credited him with really kind of staying on him and, and making sure, not necessarily like, you know, harping on him, but just making sure that he's, you know, staying consistent and, and not letting his mechanics fade and stuff like that. So it sounds like he's a hard worker. And uh, I don't know, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. And for a lineup, too, for, you know, you saw how impressionable Joe Varva was for the likes of Candelario and others this year they're going to be coachable and the Tigers I mean you could say this I mean we talked about the Tigers character locker room guys and who they they target and for reasons like this I mean it it makes a lot of sense and a really wild ass theory I had out there Chris before we get out of here what if what if maybe that if (laughs) maybe because just based off AJ Hinch has experience in the front office what if that they bring George Lombard to be, you know, train down the manager down the line, and then maybe Avila retires next year, and then they put Hinge on the top, and they George Lombard the manager. Wow, so, that would be that would be interesting. That'd be some kind of coup. Um, not gonna happen, yeah, but uh, just just a weird no, theory about there. I mean, unless well, I, I mean, is Avila the president too, or whatever? No, he's just the GM right now. I don't think there is. I, don't, I yeah. think there's no president. So it could be one of those things. You remember we, we talked about the White Sox. Ken Williams was the GM for a long time, and now he's the president or whatever. And and Rickon is the GM. So maybe it could be one of those things where he's still basically there. And, and I, don't, I don't even know what the difference is, honestly. <laughs> but that was like Theo Epstein became the president with the Cubs, right? And and uh, Jed Hoyer was the GM technically. Yeah. It's almost like I think it's kind of like they just become a tandem rather than one person making the decisions. Uh but I you know I suppose I could see that being possible. But usually you have to have a little bit more success to become president. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean no I mean no doubt. It, it's just a really wild ass theory. It's just like throwing spaghetti on the wall, make sure it's cooked. 
it sticks or not. I don't think it has any. Like, for for the record, that's irresponsible speculation. There is nothing. No, but I like it. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just throwing out there as a wild idea. It's not going to happen. So don't go out there and think I'm going to say yeah. something crazy. But I did say something crazy. But it is kind of different out there. But at any rate, thanks so much for listening to Tigers SRD here on, well, on SportsRealDetroit.com and Prospects Live. And you can find us all again on Spotify, iTunes. Please give us a review. We really appreciate No, I'm not going to beg for reviews. Hang on. If you got a moment, give us a review. We really appreciate it. If not, just give us some comments, feedback about the show. We love questions. And as far as coming up for a show, we're going to, for the rest of November, we have some we have some ideas we're going to kick around a little bit. But expect, expect this not to be every week. I mean, if something breaking happens, of course, we'll be on top of it, of course. But I think for now... We're gonna play. We're gonna play a little casual. We're still, like I said, we're gonna start thinking some ideas from shows. We think we might go back into some. Our Halloween episode did really well, so thank you for listening and tuning that in. So we might do some entertainment episodes. So even some topics that you like non baseball related. If you want us to talk about, by all means, I would love to talk music. I love. I mean, there's so much music concert stuff like that have been hindered by the pandemic. Movies have been, but there's still a lot of TV to watch. I've watched, uh, for example, I just started watching. The Umbrella Academy for the first time, and uh, just finished watching. We were, Chris and I were just talking about the the comedy store thing. So if there's something out there that you are watching or tuning into, let us know and love to talk. Yeah, anything else. And until then, we'll see you next time. I guess there's a movie that.